Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? Sir Alan of the Round Table. Hello there. Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Happy November. Happy November. And I think, if my calculations are correct, happy anniversary yeah, to us. Yeah. November 1st is our uh, our third, I think, is technically our second anniversary as a show. Or fourth. Whatever it takes. Bob. Whatever was on the pamphlet. You know, we th- did you attend the party? I, I, I missed it. Oh, I heard, though. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. I tried to, but I didn't want to. I was watching Netflix. Oh, you 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 missed something else right after Halloween here at LFP Worldwide yeah. headquarters. It was uh, it was quite the bash. You were mentioned. Was I? Yeah, you were you were my co-host. And, and I, <laughs> I told everyone that, you know, that you do you you do. You're good. You, yeah, you sure do try. I, I try. I do my best. They had a good buffet. Yeah, a, a semi semi open bar. How do you semi open a bar? Well, you semi. What you do is you 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 charge you back up a semi. You charge. You know, no. What you <laughs> I would have come to that party. You charge uh, for uh, ten dollars a shot, except to to honor our interns. Yeah, they, they serve free. Uh, they serve free Constantinis. Oh God! And Harvey Wallbangers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are my favorite drinks, but free is free. The free is free. I did the research that yeah. that, that holds yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, how'd the, how'd those guys get along uh, under the influence or did they even drink? I, I bet they didn't drink. Uh, you know what? Actually, they, they kind of mended some fences. Like each drank the other's drink. And then <laughs> that sounds unsanitary. Well, but you know, like Constantine oh, had a Harvey oh, Wallbanger. No, they, they. I thought you meant they started a drink and then it's like. No, spit they didn't swap. do a Lady in the Tramp with, you know, alcohol. <laughs> That'd be. But uh, then <laughs> later on, they were. They may have had the Technicolor yawn going in the corner. So I, I don't it. know. That's that's uh, the signature of a great party. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. It sounds successful. You know I, that. I, I do. <laughs> and <laughs> I wish I had been there. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I will be at our next party. I think we're, we're thinking about having a holiday party. So oh, good. Yeah. If we do that, you know, I'll be there. I, I'll. In fact, I'll dress up as Santa. I have been practicing all year to fill out his suit. And I'm now qualified. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Uh, uh, Alan of the Roundtable will be playing Santa Claus at our holiday party. Details to come. Yeah, no no stuffing required. I'm I'm ready to go. (laughs) Hey, Mark, should we get into this podcast today? All right. Let's do. No, no, no. It's all good. We're going to have fun today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, because today, Mark, we're talking about season five, episode eight. Pawnee Collins. Pawnee Collins, baby. Commons, yeah. not Collins. It's like Mo Collins. Or Tom Collins. Or Tom I, I'm Collins. still thinking back More to the drinks, party. Yes. Good Lord, yes. have yes. Yeah, Pawnee Commons. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, Mark, uh, today's episode comes in at a runtime of 21 minutes and 33 seconds. No production extended. Yeah. No, no, no. But once again, we got a, a buttload, a butt ton, whatever the a metric ton. Metric. A metric ton. ton of uh, of deleted scenes. I think like eight minutes, which They're we'll get into good. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this one first aired on November 22nd, 2012. Mm-hmm. We've got Morgan Sackett as our director. We know him from, uh, you know, he's a producer, director. He's done Veep, Good Place, Hacks. Rutherford Falls, uh, Primo, and, and then he's, uh, I think his latest project is this new TV show, Field of Dreams. He's involved oh, yeah. in that as a producer. So uh-huh. I'm anxious to see that. Um, I think this is the second of five for him as director. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, this one was written by Alexandra Rushfield. Uh, she did two episodes, and this is the first of two. She's a producer, writer, actress. Um, you might recognize her name from a show on Netflix called Love, uh, a show Friends from College. I don't know if you remember that one. That was kind of interesting. I, I like I that think one. So, yeah. Short lived, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shrill. Uh, and Santa Inc. that came out last year on HBO Max. Um, and I, don't, I didn't see that one. So interesting. Hmm. Have to check those out. Yeah. Yeah. She wrote all those. So, well, hey, Mark, should we get into our synopses and uh, start breaking the show down? Yes. Good uh, uh, official uh, correct use of the word synopsis. I've been practicing. Yes, you have. All right. Well, I broke this sucker, sucker, sucker. I, I broke this sucker down into. <laughs> Not th- easy for you to say. No, you're telling me. Uh, three stories. Sir Alan. That is correct, Mark. Yeah. Hey, look at this. It, it, hitting it out of the park already. We had the button ready to go because I know how much it energizes you for the rest of the show. It completely does. Like, like my, my face is just shining now. Yeah. And not for bad reasons. I was going to say, yeah. a little sweaty too. Yeah, but don't. Like, I'm fine. Look, I've been to the doc. He says. Anyway. <laughs> it's normal. Yeah, normal. That, that's my baseline. All right. So my A story, I, you know, Alan, I partied so hard. I'm so exhausted mm. and tired. I, I really yeah. phoned in these these titles. So, Me too. Look, uh, see, I was, you're my safety net. Oh, well, we'll see. All right. We'll see. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. All right. My A story is entitled Search for the Ultimate Park Design. See, yeah, it does that, just, that's a bit of a phone end. To yeah, be honest. yeah, I know it is. I mean, it falls I'm glad face. you're owning it, at least. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have Although it takes away my fun of making fun of you, but, you know. Yeah, I, I jumped no on a grenade so you can't That's explode right. it on That's me. All right. So a story. Search for the ultimate park design. After asking the public for park design submissions for lot 48, Leslie receives only one decent submission from one Mr. Reston St. James, who lives in Eagleton. Boo. As you might expect, Leslie wants to reject him outright because duh. But. Ben convinces her to at least meet with Reston before making a decision. And they do so in a beautiful Eagleton Park, which is some of Reston's handiwork, and discover Reston is very cheerful and he's enthusiastic. Ben loves him. Leslie hates him. Reston assures them he's on the up and up and that it's about the people, as it should be. But Leslie doesn't trust him for a second. After meeting with Reston in Pawnee City Hall, Leslie ends up being very rude to him and taking Leslie aside. Ben insists she move past her hatred for Eagleton, apologize to Reston and agree to have him be the architect for the park on lot 48. Hmm. What will happen? Can Leslie manage to apologize to Reston St. James? Will Reston double cross Leslie and Ben? Why are there palm trees in Eagleton? (laughs) Stay tuned to find out dot dot dot. Very nice. Uh, I, I kind of also phoned mine in, although not nearly as phoned in as yours, perhaps. Right. Uh, mine is called Eagleton Sucks and Other Potential Park Names. <laughs> Your, yours is a D plus. Mine's a D. Hey, look. Yeah, yours is a little mine's better. Mine's at least a park name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a plus. All right. So my B story, which I again phoned in the title, The Birth of Rent-A-Swag. Mm. Tom asked the gang to help him refurbish his new Rent-A-Swag store. Although it's a, let's call it a fixer-upper. Although it's a fixer-upper, the gang gets to it. And Tom initially, I think, impresses them with his cool, calm demeanor. He thanks them appreciatively and he compliments their hard work. At the end of a long day with Renta Swag's facelift finally complete, it definitely looks 
better, but still far from great. And Tom thanks them one last time, but the gang now starts to see the cracks in his armor as Uh-oh. he gives them a pizza party with one small, tiny, toppingless <laughs> pizza and two cans of soda. And then he yells at them to turn off the lights to save electricity. Wow. How will this turn out? Will Rent-A-Swag ever get off the ground? Can Tom avoid having a cheapskate meltdown? (laughs) Why is Chris working on a stairway to nowhere? (laughs) Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Very nice job. My my B story is called Swagger and Ascots. Oh, see, you did much better than I did. (laughs) Nice job. See, you are my safety net. Yeah. All right. Uh, so C story to complete my trilogy of phoning in titles. Sure. I, I would expect no less. The legacy of Burt Macklin. Actually, that's their best of the three. Yeah. It's uh, of all the suck it's titles. Foreshadowing. It's the less suck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Andy begins his new job as weekend security guard. However, he quickly gets bored and asks April to join him and keep him company, keep things interesting. This starts a classic round of role playing with Andy bringing out his crime fighting alter ego, Burt Macklin, FBI, and April playing a new villain. (laughs) While in the midst of their cat and mouse game, Andy and April come across a new player in the game. A small, nervous boy named Joey Uh who got separated from his mother in City Hall. What will happen? Who is April's new alter ego? And can Macklin defeat her? Is Joey actually a child spy sent to derail Macklin's investigation? Will this be Burt Macklin's final case? Mm. Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell dot dot dot. Nice job. That, that was definitely your best of your three. I think it was also my best title of the three as well. Oh, what you got? I got uh, Paul Blart and the Hunt for Hitler. <laughs> you like that one? I do. It's deep do. reference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything with Blart doesn't make yeah, you laugh. It is funny. It's yeah, a yeah, funny yeah. word. Yeah. It is. It's like fun with names right there. It really is. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Our own trope. Hey, Mark, you, if you remember, uh, I know you remember if our, our if our listeners slash viewers remember. Yeah. Last week we said, hey, you know, of the shenanigans, we're doing an AKA each. Right. Right. We each get at AKA. Yeah. 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 One. How'd you do? I did. I got one. I wrote three. <laughs> <laughs> but but my goal is that like I've, I've, I'm looking at him and I'm By the time I'm up, I'm going to choose one of them. Hey, Constantine, you can edit this out, right? You can just make it sound like he said one. Uh-huh. It's one. Just, you, you, yeah, you're nodding. Okay. Yeah, he, he's got he your back because okay. you screwed Thank up God. and you can just fix it. Okay. Yes, I have one Sir Allen of the round table. Would you like to hear it? Yeah, please. Let's All right. do it. My AKA, um, this is uh, during one of the times. Leslie has a lot of uh, talking heads oh, yeah. in this episode. Yes, she and, and she often has talking heads because she's, she's complaining. She's mad. She's mad about yeah. Eagleton because she doesn't like him because yeah. they're bad. They're awful. And, and she, she tells us at the end of one, oh, sometimes when I rant about Eagleton, I forget to breathe and I pass out. <laughs> so there you go. There you have What'd it. What'd you have? <laughs> Well, one of my three choices was Eagleton related right around that same section. That's not the one I'm going to choose. Though. Mm. Uh, my, my other one uh, was a rent-a-swag one. It's not bad, but I'm not going to choose it either. I'm going to choose mine from the April and Andy storyline. Okay. <laughs> oh, Hitler, you sexy bastard. 
<laughs> Which we'll explain here in a little bit. Yes. Well, I think that explains itself. It pretty much does. Yeah. I mean, you know, the stash, we're just saying. Stop. <laughs> All right. Brown chicken, brown cow. Brown chicken, brown cow. All right. Hey, enough of that, that nonsense. Let's get into our episode breakdown, Mark. All right, sir. We're going to break it down and you're going to like it. So we got uh, our, our cold open here. It, I think it's fairly beefy in size. I think it's almost two minutes long. Yeah. Um, I would say that it's plot relevant. It is. And um, this is a delightful, Alan. We, we we open on this episode with a, with a visit back to the studio of WVYS, Wamapoke County oh, Public yeah. Radio. Yeah, we love those guys. Where Leslie is once again meeting with the host of Thought for Your Thoughts, Derry Murbles. Derry Murbles. I think we should start things out right. Hey, Constantine, you there, buddy? Yeah, hit the button. Support for Pawnee Community Radio comes from listeners like you and from the new film, The Shadows of Seven Heads, the yeah. dramatic tale of an Israeli soldier who falls in love with conjoined Palestinian sextuplets. Yeah. Out soon from Focus Features. <laughs> oh, Welcome to Thought for Your Thoughts. I'm your host, Derry Murbles. Love that guy. Sitting in for Nina Joplin, who is touring the country performing a spoken word opera about pear-shaped women. My guest today <laughs> is city council woman, Leslie Nope. It is a pleasure to be back, Derry. Your show last week on dolphin lactation <laughs> was just riveting radio. Derry, my team and I are trying to build a park, oh. and we need input on the design from you, the citizens of Pawnee. So I guess I'm here to send out the bat signal. A bat signal for listeners who might not know <laughs> refers to the children's character, the bat Man, a strong <laughs> gentleman who fights crime nocturnally. Yeah. That's correct. Well put. Yep. This park is going to be a celebration of Pawnee, by Pawnee, and for Pawnee. So, you know, send in your plan or your resume, and quick, please, hurry. This is all going to fall apart if you don't hurry. Coming Hello. up after the break, movie reviews with Ken Tucker, who is filling in for David Cooley, who is in New York filling in for Ken Tucker. <laughs> Leslie, would you like to introduce the next segment? Okay. Now it's time for Jazz plus Jazz equals Jazz. Today we have a recording of Benny Goodman played over a separate recording of Miles Davis. Yeah. Oh. Now. Research shows that our listeners love jazz. <laughs> Sometimes uh, two things, uh, you know, two separate things don't make a third thing. I don't know what I'm trying to say. That I don't like that jazz. That not, jazz. not all jazz is chocolate and then other jazz is peanut butter. Well put, Mark. Almost as good as the Batman. <laughs> Man, that guy, he has got that nail. I love Derry Marbles. He's yeah. one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. You know, I also saw that documentary that they talked about there, that the, the Shadow of Seven Heads. Oh. But that was not what I thought it was going to be about at all. No? No, totally disappointed. Oh. Yeah. So, anyway, well, we should move on. Yeah, right? yeah, look, yeah, please do. Yeah. Well, Mark, from there, uh, we, we open up the main episode in the bullpen, and the public has heard Leslie's plea for help on public radio that we just heard, and, uh, you know, on thought for your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems like they're almost desperate to help. 
Yeah, yeah. Those are that one guy. <laughs> there, we see Leslie and Ben. They're in the bullpen and they're uh, going over what few park design submissions they have received so far. And it's not going real well. Leslie remarks they haven't even received one usable idea. Uh, but all of a sudden, Ben finds what could be. Alan, the holy grail of park designs from one Mr. Reston St. James. He's got, let's tick it off. He's got 30 years experience. Wow. Architecture degree from the Royal Danish Academy of Fine Arts. Nice. And he includes pictures of one of the parks that he worked on. And, and holy, yeah, holy. Beautiful. It, it shows a beautiful fountain and perfectly manicured a shrubbery. Leslie is all in. And then. Ben tells nothing her, will change her mind. No, no, no. And then, and then Ben tells her Reston St. James is from Eagleton. Leslie, I've changed is, my mind. Leslie is all out. <laughs> However, Ben does convince Leslie to at least go meet the guy before making any decisions. Wow. Yeah, she she reacted uh, poorly is what we like to say in the business. I, I, did you notice the the first park model that they look at, which seems like it came from a federal penitentiary, I think it, it, it <laughs> yes. says a warm park. Yeah, warm park. I'm yeah. guilty. <laughs> could could that be the work of one Mr. Carl Lorthner? It could be. Or his. No, no, no. His thing was. Uh, his thing was worm log. <laughs> worm log. It's got it's got like forty worms. God, I love Carl. Lord I there. forgot about Carl. Yeah. Oh my God, we miss him. Yeah. You know, Mark. Uh, often I I do try to notate when the script varies from the actual produced episode. Oh, uh huh. And here it did. He said, "It said uh, here's a model of what I thought the park could look like. Also, I'm innocent. Please find me a lawyer." <laughs> so they went a different direction. Oh, well, I thought that I thought that he said that, too, which didn't didn't make sense that the thing that said, said I'm guilty. Yeah. So now it's just mind games. I don't know what they're going messing on with us. I don't know what they're doing. Stupid yeah. Carl Lorthner. Yeah. I, you get, if you get two choices, I'm going with the Eagleton guy. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while Leslie and Ben are focused on moving the park plan forward, Tom has recruited a portion of the gang to help him prepare for the grand opening of, as you said before, Rent-A-Swag. That's right. Yeah. We see Tom leading the gang into a dilapidated old storefront and Tom turns on the light switch to show <laughs> again we kind of refer to it as a fixer upper that that's kind of covers that's it very kind there's, there's yeah. like lots of garbage and and the there's no shelves and needs a paint job and some of the walls maybe look incomplete and there's at least one raccoon <laughs> that we can see. You know um, what they say when there's one raccoon, you see one raccoon. There's oh, the, yeah. Then then you just you've got a yeah. hundred. There's infestation. They'll, they'll climb you. Yeah. Um. So Tom tells them this is the best he can do for now. It's it, which is probably true. You know, it's within his price range, and hopefully with the gang's help, they can turn it into something usable. Very nice. You know, um, we've talked a lot about Tom's journey as a human being and, you know, pimping Tom and all that. Right. Here at the end, he said something that I, I, I'd heard him say before, but this time it stuck with me. He said, uh, you know, Tommy Timberlake is dead. Mm. So, he, you know, that's his version of pimping Tom. Pimpin Tom, the right. swagger Tom. I like right. that because I, I think it fits well. Uh, long live Thomas M. Haverford, responsible tycoon. So we'll see. It certainly suggests that he's maybe on the cusp of actually being introspective. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. Growth. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. Poor Jerry, though. Oh, <laughs> Jerry. That raccoon's yeah, got him cornered. Somebody, somebody <laughs> help that guy. <laughs> 
Mark, you know, I like to think that on my best day, I can uh, be, you know, that my preconceptions can be opened up and change my mind about things. Not me. Well, <laughs> well, not you and uh, n- not Leslie no, either. No. no, she totally disagrees. No, I think a normal, rational human being, once you think something, that's it. Just, You're done. Just walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Case Bo- closed. Yeah. On. Yeah. There's no off. <laughs> There's no personal growth. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we uh, we're now in a, in Eagleton. And and uh, Leslie and Ben have gone. Oh, to, did you see that guy came and cleaned that up for you? That's amazing. He was like right there, ready to go. He's the a mob. new hire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks, buddy. Uh, I'm just gonna call you guy because I don't know your name. He must be from Eagleton. I'm on air talent. I'm too important to know your name. Um, so yeah, we see that Leslie and Ben have gone to an Eagleton Park to meet with Reston St. James, and uh, I think this is like one of his uh, one of his handiwork. Yeah. With something he's done. Yeah. And we see them, they're walking. It's a beautiful sunlit park and there's live classical music playing and people are calmly riding around on thoroughbred horses. It's just <laughs> it's stunning. And then we see Reston St. James himself jog up to Leslie and Ben and cheerfully introduce himself, asking what they think of Eagleton's new park. And he then proceeds to give Leslie and Ben a tour of the park while they ride around on segways. And it seems Absolutely wonderful and breathtaking. Ben is looking around all smiles like a kid at a candy store. He's like, he's clearly thrilled and amazed. Leslie looks somewhat put out and pouty. Like she's still not trusting anything or anyone that comes from Eagleton. Yeah. And who can blame her? Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Ben's got a little bit of a man crush developing here on Reston. I mean, it's, it's evident early on. He does. And, yeah. and, and I, I would also you like double down on what you said. You think, OK, Leslie, come on. Why, why, why are you being mean right off the bat? But she shows some 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 uh, good evidence as to why she would think that way. Well, like, sure. like the she showed us the signs as you enter and exit Pawnee. <laughs> and as you exit Pawnee, it says, uh, you know, the, the classic now leaving Pawnee. Come back soon. Yeah. Sounds like real friendly yeah. and stuff. And then from the Eagleton side, they say they don't say now exiting Eagleton. Yeah. They say now entering Pawnee. Good, good luck, luck with, with that. that. <laughs> So it's not real nice. <laughs> and there are gunshots in the background. And- oh, yeah. The, the <laughs> Pawnee side is grimy streets, abandoned cars, dogs chewing on dolls. And- it's almost like they shot that in two different places. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. you think? Yeah. Well, Mark, meanwhile, City Hall is pretty slow on the weekends, apparently. And Andy and his new role is a little desperate for something and maybe anything to happen. I was going to remark on one thing, Alan. I, I think that, that these three storylines are all taking place on the weekend. I, you know, it I, definitely. And I, as I recognized that yesterday as well, I'm like, that may be the first time that we've started an episode on the weekend. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah. I yeah. think you're right, man. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, we see. Uh, someone should mention that later in first. <laughs> <laughs> I hope someone remembers. Yeah. Uh, we see part-time weekend security guard, Andy Dwyer, walking the halls, bored out of his mind. Yeah. AKA Paul Blart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And out of desperation, he uh, he uh, maybe he'll start a band name called Blart Rat. <laughs> um, so out of desperation, I almost made you spit take, didn't I? You really did. Yeah, my, I swallowed it now. I'm good. Out <laughs> <laughs> of desperation, he calls April on his cell and asks her to come down and keep him company, which she agrees to. When she gets there, he laments about how bored he is and how quiet it is. And then April perks up and says something like, Wait a minute. Isn't that how all great Burt Macklin cases start? It's quiet. 
a little too quiet. And then they kind of get looks on their face and like look around. So apparently a mystery of some sort is uh, the game is afoot. The game is afoot. Yeah. <laughs> the foot is a game. Right. The game is afoot. Oh, my God. Well, back at the Eagleton Park tour, Leslie has decided to rename this park from Five Mile Grounds to Five Miles of Baloney, Eagleton Sucks and Pawnee Rules Park. Uh, but apparently, you know, she's also committed to finding an acronym because that's just hard to say. Yeah, it, it doesn't fit on letterhead. No. So they're going to have a problem with that. They really are. Holy cow. So, yeah, we're uh, we're back in Eagleton and I think Reston is finishing up. The, the tour that he's giving Leslie and Ben of the of the park um, and Ben continues to be amazed and Leslie continues to be uh, standoffish and disbelieving. You know, she doesn't trust rest in St. James for a second. And Leslie finally point blank asks him, can we cut to the chase? Why would a fancy Eagleton architect like you want to design a tiny Pawnee park? And Reston's answer, which was pretty good, is he said, I heard your plea on the radio and you were passionate about the project. And I, it doesn't matter if it's a giant park like this or a tiny little pocket park. It's about the people. We're here to serve hmm. them. And he goes off to help one of the freaking balloon artisans or something. But that's pretty good. That's a pretty good answer. You know, if 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 he weren't from Eagleton and these were not the circumstances, Leslie would be the one with the crush on this guy because of his passion for the things that she loves. Right, right. It's so far. Yeah. It seems like Reston is on yeah. the up and up. Is he too good to be true? Dot, dot, dot. We'll Maybe find out. we'll find out what will happen. <laughs> I don't know. I liked her closing talking head on this scene here, Mark. She said, uh, look, in 1988, where we were hit by a tornado, we asked Eagleton for help and they claimed they weren't home. They weren't home. The entire town. No, one. they weren't. The home. whole town wasn't home. <laughs> That's kind of a dick move. And then Ben showed up with two of the most adorable oh my, balloon right. people. Looks exactly like spot them. on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kind of creepy, actually. Yeah. And then Leslie just black grabs the balloons <laughs> smashes and smashes them. Yeah. yeah. Take that. Take that. Well, while we wait to see what happens next in Ben's man crush on Weston St. James, Tom and the swaggers, that's what I'm calling them now, Mark, yep. are making steady progress. It's like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Exactly. Tom Haverford and the Swaggers. I love it. All right. So back at the future site of Rent-A-Swag, we see uh, the Swaggers, um, the gang, all pitching in to help Tom fix up the place. Uh, you know, let's go ahead and play the scene. Hey, Constantine. Hey, I got a, I got a shiny onion with your name on it if you play this <laughs> clip. Go for it, man. Great work, team. Donna, you and your work are ravishing as usual and great organizational skills. Wow, genuine praise. It's a tip I picked up from Lee Iacocca's autobiography. A small connection between you and your workers helps build loyalty. Jerry, oh. how's the old ticker? Oh, uh, well, the rehab is grueling. Great, glad to hear it. <laughs> Yo, Roomba, drop a beat. Rented swag is gonna be the opposite of Entertainment 720. This is my last chance. If this goes down in flames, I will have nothing except my looks. Yeah. I always pit myself out to hot older ladies. I need to remember that. It's always good to have a backup plan. I think it's always good to have a plan B, Mark. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So so far, it seems like Tom is kind of being human. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, are it's you know, is Reston uh, really good to his word? Is is Tom really you know going to show up like this? Is this a bizarro universe where yeah. everything is is it different? Feels that way a little bit. A little bit. I yeah. mean, I'm hopeful but wary. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, well, that's the way you should live life, my opinion. 
on guard. <laughs> yep. Trust, but verify. Hey, just smart. Yep. Just smart. It's just smart. Yeah, smart. So, Mark, at this point, uh, Leslie and Ben's day out with Weston has crossed the border into Pawnee, and they're now touring the murals of City Hall. That's right. Alan, the, the enemy has breached the gates. <laughs> we, we see Pawnee City Hall now. We see Leslie and Ben. They're meeting with uh, Reston, and, and um, Leslie goes into a little bit of the history between Pawnee and Eagleton. We see a great uh, mural uh, the history of Pawnee and how Eagleton split off and, and, you know, almost everything Leslie says has, uh, either direct or indirect implications that Eagleton is mean and sucks. Um, <laughs> despite Reston's best efforts to stay cheery and, you know, he's trying to extend an olive branch. I think Leslie continues to be rather standoffish and rude. And finally Reston says, look, Miss Nope, I'm really trying here, but I just don't know if our working together is such a great idea. And she pounces, oh, you're running away. Ha, huh? well, you know, do you know what they say about Pawnee is we never give up, even though they have a mural, the, the many surrenders of Pawnee, <laughs> Pawnee which is kind yeah. of funny. So at this point, Ben grabs Leslie so he can talk to her privately in another room. No, I think that's a smart move. Yup. Well, also, thankfully for Andy, April has found a way to break the monotony of Andy's day and offend Holocaust survivors all at the same time. Yeah, it's a twofer is what it we really say. Is. So. Elena, as the scene before us unfolds, in a dark room somewhere in City Hall, we see renegade special agent Bert Macklin, who looks an awful lot like Andy, um, <laughs> interrogating a woman named Judy Hitler. Oh, my God. Who looks an awful lot like April. Or Janet Snickle. <laughs> looks like her, too. Huh. We, we got to play this. Constantine, I know. Hey, hit the button, buddy. Thanks. The name is Special Agent Bert Macklin. Tell me who you are, who you work for, and don't bother trying to lie to me because I'm amazing. My name is Judy Hitler, <laughs> and I am the spoiled only daughter of Adolf. And I'm going to tell my daddy you were mean to me, Bert Macklin. He's not going to like it very much, so untie me. Nice try, Miss Hitler, but you have something that I want. Where's the necklace with all of Germany's war secrets? I don't know what you're talking about. I think you do. I don't. Yeah. Now you give me that war-ending necklace or I will resort to torture. Fine. I will show you where it is, damn it. You're too good, Macklin. Don't you do it, Hitler. Don't you dare fall in love with me. Oh, kissy. Oh, Hitler, you sexy bastard. No! Yes! Oh, no. Oh, got him with the rope. Wow. That, that went from, uh, you know, something you thought was going to be good to something really bad really quickly. Yeah, and Judy Hitler escaped. She did, yeah. She mm. used the old kiss my interrogator and then get him with the rope trick. And strangle him with the rope as I leave, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll see what happens. Well, back at Renaswag, it turns out that Ron has an apprentice in training, Mark. Yep, it's a little uh, little Ron Jr. here, I think. <laughs> uh, we're back at the future site of Renaswag, and uh, Chris... Uh, city manager Chris Strager explains via talking head that his therapist, Dr. Richard Nygaard, suggests he try some non-exercise based hobbies. Probably a pretty good idea. So he's been studying woodworking with Ron. Again, not a bad idea. To that end, we see Chris cheerfully peppering Ron with lots of questions about what he's doing and how he's doing it and why he's doing it. <laughs> it appears Ron has become a mentor of sorts to Chris. 
I'm not sure how happy Ron is about this. No, mm. no. Well, we will see. Yeah. For sure. Well, in an effort to smooth things out with Reston, Ben convinces Leslie to reevaluate his offer and allow him to help them make this park a reality. That's right. When we last left our heroes, Ben had pulled Leslie aside from their meeting with Reston St. James to talk to her about how rude she's been to the one person who could help her make the park of her dreams. And <laughs> and this is what happens. Hey, Constantine, do the thing, man. Were you listening to him when he was talking about serving the public and making our communities better? And you know who he sounds like, right? Yes, Edie Amin yep. or Lord Voldemort. <laughs> no, you. Now, you've been very rude to him, and you need to apologize. Ha, ha, ha. You are a laugh riot, Ben. I am never going to apologize to someone from Eagleton. All right, so you can kiss your park and four years of work goodbye. Up to you. Come on. You can do it. I don't you can. She's, you can do it. He's not strong enough. Mr. St. James, this has been a strange day, uh, but we wouldn't want to leave you with the wrong impression of Pawnee. Have you guys seen him? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Macklin. Anyway, we would love to have you design the park. And in the spirit of reconciliation, Leslie would like to apologize. I may have allowed my prejudices, my totally legitimate prejudices against Eagleton, affect my feelings towards your involvement in this project. And so, therefore, I would like to say that I'm... Come on. I'm... Come on. <laughs> I'm Leslie Nope. No. No. That's not what I want to say. Okay. Come on. I'm... You can do it. <laughs> She's... My mouth is kind of dry. <laughs> My mouth is dry. This is Canada dry. Drink Canada dry if your mouth is dry. That's nothing. What I want to say is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come on. You're a human being. You're a human being. You can just, just say... I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry that I... I'm sorry. Very sorry that I was rude. Hug. That's too soon. <laughs> you know what? As a gesture of goodwill, I'd like to wave my feet. I'll design the park pro bono. Thank you. That's very nice of you. I've been working up a little model of the design. Why don't I bring it over and we could all go through it together? Great. And then you could come to our wedding. Huh? What? <laughs> it's in May and we haven't planned it yet, but save the date. Uh oh, Judy Hitler. I was never here. Wow. Macklin, Macklin almost got her. It was so close. Yeah. He had her in his clutches and she escaped yet once again. Yep. Yeah. Alan, I, I, I know I've said this before, but again, so far, I'm crossing my fingers here. Reston St. James seems on the up and up, like despite how rude Leslie's been to him, like he he seems to be unwavering in his yeah. in his good natured attitude and his willingness to work with him. And now he's doing it for free. If he's lying, he's got me fooled yeah. as well as Ben. I know. My crush is a little less, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know. The fact that he he wasn't even shaken by the the Macklin Hitler feud going on in the background, that says something. It seems like he kind of knows that the, there's some legitimacy to what Leslie's complaining about, but he, he just wants to move on. Leslie's having some time with that. Right. Yeah. Right. You know what? That's actually a good a good point. It's not like he's saying, oh, there is no feud yeah. between. He's like, I know. Yeah. I know there is. Yeah. And it's, and it's stu silly. And it's stupid. Yeah. He said as much. Right. Yeah, right. Good point. Yeah. Well, the work is wrapping up at Renaswag and the store looks beautiful. Well, only if you don't know what that word means, actually. <laughs> yeah, we're back at the future site of Rent-A-Swag and, and, and the, 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 the gang, the, the swaggers, are done fixing up the place. And Tom seems 
happy with the results, or at least content, but the gang voices their opinions that it's not the greatest place in the world. Um, (laughs) The gang starts to see the cracks in Tom's armor as the stress of his tight budget start to get to him. You know, their, their treat for working all day is one small toppingless pizza and two cans of soda. And then he yells at them for having the lights on. He turns off the lights, leaving them all in a semi dark room. And then Ron says, because it's quiet (laughs) and it's dark. No one's saying anything. And Ron pipes up and, if there were more food and fewer people, this would be a perfect party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ron. I know. So well, you know, all this work and Tom is $46 under budget, so it paid off. Wow. The the ugly green paint that looks like phlegm. <laughs> the the mannequin tried that tried to commit suicide. Oh. I mean, good Lord. Yeah, it's sadness in there. It is very sad. But it's done. There. Yeah, but it's done. Yeah, well, we'll see. Well, back at City Hall, the hunt for Hitler continues, and now even the children are beginning to suffer the terrible reign of this stupidity. We rejoin the adventures of Macklin and Hitler, already in progress. So Andy is now chasing April down a hallway when they stumble upon a small, nervous boy walking by himself. And Andy is really caught up in the whole uh, Macklin persona. So he says, oh, oh, what is this? A child spy sent to steal the necklace? Bert Macklin, FBI, freeze! And the kid (laughs) shrieks in terror. And and, and, and April wisely cues Andy to, he's like, knock it, no, knock it off. That's not a good call. And I think realizing at least partially what he just did. Andy tells the boy, buddy, I'm sorry. I'm kidding around. I'm just playing around. Uh, What's your name? And he says his name is Joey and he got separated from his mom and now he's lost. And Andy assures him it's going to be fine because he's gotten lost. What? 500 times. 500 times. He works there for crying out loud. (laughs) And so the three of them head off to find Joey's mom. Oh, yeah. Well, that's nice. I'm glad glad he's finally realizing uh, he might need to shift gears here a bit. Yes. Yeah. Well, in the bullpen, Leslie and Ben are both nervous and excited to be presented with this first 3D model of Rustin's design. I know. We've had all this build up. Yeah. And uh, will he deliver on the promise, right? (laughs) That's the question. Right, right, right. So we're at City Hall. We're in the bullpen. And we see... Catherine and David, two young assistants from Reston St. James firm, come in and they announce their presence and they ask for Ms. Nope. Uh, OMG, we got to play this one. Hey, Constantine. Yep. Do it to it. Hello. Here we we go. Mr. Wyatt. We're from Reston St. James firm. Oh, hey, come on in. Uh, Where's Reston? He's on his way. He wanted us to get started. (laughs) Aw. Well, okay. I guess go ahead. We present the crown jewel of Pawnee, containing the sights, sounds, and most importantly, smells that define your city. There are several drool buckets for your more (laughs) slack-jawed citizens. We also have food troughs full of cheeseburgers and public showers with instructions for those who've never showered before. You have five seconds to get out of here, or I will rip your throat out. Out, now. Oh, hey. My backyard is bigger than your park. Wow. <laughs> Rude. Rude. I'm I'm amazed that Ben had the wherewithal to hold Leslie back. 
he did have to hold her back. She was coming for Catherine. And not yeah. real well. No. Like, he's not that strong. Well, yeah, well, he's not that strong. And I don't even know if he really wants to hold her back at this point. That's just it. Yeah. I'd like, I think he would have, like, joined her and clotheslined them both or yeah, something. Yeah, well, there's a real short break after this. And they come back. And it's really obvious that they're both just completely pissed off. Oh, my finally. God. Yeah, Ben goes outside at first angrily, just blam, just throws the, the insulting model park into the dumpster. Well, it's tiny. I mean, it's easy to do. And comes back into the <laughs> bullpen and, and Leslie is livid. She's livid. And Ben is right there with her, except that Ben can't wrap his head around this. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. And so he's determined to find out just what the hell is going on. Ben tells Leslie he's going to go talk to his lover, to his new friend, <laughs> Reston, and get to the bottom of this. Yeah, something's clearly up. Mark, the, the diorama is terrific. I mean, it basically looks like as if you built a a really bad uh, swing set based park, small one outside of a uh, trailer park. <laughs> then the children are in diapers. Uh, mom wasn't wearing much more than a diaper and kind of pear shaped herself and uh, right. smoking. And yeah, it just it, it looked classic white trash. I don't know what it says about me, but I actually paused when they said cheeseburger troughs. <laughs> I mean, I understand it's Look, not a good idea, but I mean, maybe on for holidays. Mark, you know, the old expression in every bad idea, there's a small, small good idea. right? Yes. There's at least a sliver of one. Maybe. Cheeseburger troughs yeah. is up there. Yeah. Every burger has a silver or every. How no. does that with the cloud? It's a piece of lettuce. It's, it's, it's cheeseburger it's troughs. Cheeseburger troughs. Mm. Mm. Sounds good. Now I'm hungry. Damn so, it. So like, did, did Reston betray them? We will find out. I, I'm 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 Chris Fallen. Well, he's not here, so we'll we'll see. Oh, I'm just well, Ben. We'll get to the bottom of this. Do this anymore? Go ahead. <laughs> Whatever. Well, putting the shenanigans aside, mostly mm -hmm. Andy and April do their best to help re reunite little Joey with his mama. Yeah, we see April and Andy and Joey uh, walking the hallways of City Hall with Joey riding piggyback. On Andy, Aww. which which we know he has a lot of experience with. He does. Um, when they turn a corner and they see a woman walking towards them who quickly identifies herself as Joey's mother. And she embraces Joey and she tells April and Andy how worried she was and how much she appreciates it. And Joey tells both of them thanks as well. And then he and his mother leave. And he goes, thank you, Miss Hitler. What? <laughs> what? I'm like, don't worry about it. When April tells Andy how happy he just made Joey and his mother, Andy initially credits it as just being part of the continuing escapades of renegade agent Burt Macklin FBI until April points out that actually, A, renegade agent Burt Macklin FBI was the one that made little mm. Joey cry. B, was really Andy who saved the day. C, she thinks Andy Dwyer makes a better real cop than Burt Macklin does. Mm. And D... Maybe, just maybe, it's time for Burt Macklin to hang up his shades. Hmm. Well, it's definitely time for Judy Hitler to hang up hers. Yeah. Well, Mark, in an attempt to settle the peace, Ben meets with Reston and offers to give him a second chance to prove to Leslie that Eagleton can rise above this conflict, you know, just like Leslie can. Holy cow. We now cut over to Eagleton, where Ben is in a... Um, a, a fancy semi-outdoors Eagletonian restaurant. That's their casual restaurant, Mark. Holy crap. Like complete with palm trees because like they fast have fast food version of Eagleton. Good Lord. And and he's clearly there waiting to meet with Mr. Reston St. James. And finally, Reston shows up and he is very 
apologetic. Apparently he had, he claims he had nothing to do with that stupid prank. He was late because he was firing the two responsible people and escorting them out of the building. (laughs) And Ben is still upset, but somewhat mollified. He he tells Reston, if you you swear you're serious, maybe we can salvage this. And Reston is all for that. He really wants that to happen. But just then, like a Pawnee bolt from the blue, Leslie <laughs> runs up to the table with two spray cans of shaving cream, I think, yep. and yells, revenge. <laughs> and then for about 30 seconds, she just sprays shaving cream all over him on his head and gives him a little shaving cream tie. Oh and, and then she's done. You ah, now we're even. And then Ben explains, um, Leslie Reston had nothing to do with this. And he actually fired the people who did. And Leslie looks back and forth at them and confused and then stands there for a few seconds. And then she drops the shaving cream cans and she runs off. So what else are you going to do? Yeah. Well, you know, and he, he said he was late because he was firing those people. But there were certain people at the firm who wanted them to be promoted. So, yeah. Yeah. Full a, disclosure. Yeah. It's a, a long fought deep hatred. Oh, yeah. 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 Between did, these two. Did you see Ben's response? Where she, he asked before Reston showed up, he asked the waiter. Can I ask you, how are there palm trees That's here? right. And the waiter, well, Eagle, Eagleton lies on top of a hot spring, which creates a microclimate zone. We are truly blessed. Truly and blessed. And he walks off and Ben just <laughs> makes the <laughs> most hilarious little dopey face at him. I think even Ben's over it at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Mark, do you remember that movie Better Off Dead? Oh, do I? Yeah. You know, that paper boy, he's owed two dollars. Two dollars. Yeah. Well, that's nothing compared to what Tom has now lost. Oh, my gosh. Nine dollars. That's even that's four. That's a lot more. It's more. Yeah. It's worse. So, yeah, we cut over to the City Hall bullpen where an agitated Tom has some sort. So I think this is the next morning. I want to think that that everything up to now is maybe on a Saturday and this is a Sunday. I feel like we started the new day when these the yahoos brought the the diorama. That could be. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Um, We're on a different day for sure. So, yeah. So anyway, we see the gang, the the swaggers um, swaggers. in the bullpen where an agitated Tom has some sort of announcement to make to them. Let's play this one last clip. Constantine, do the honor, sir. Attention, please. I've been going over the books and I'm missing nine dollars. Now, I'm not angry at whoever took it. Just come forward. You'll be served with a lawsuit and we will move on with our lives. Hey, buddy, let's go get some breakfast, okay? Fine. It was your idea, so you're paying, you're driving. I'm not chipping in for gas. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'll JJ's. Have to pancake breakfast. Oh, let me also get 12 eggs uncooked and uh, some toast, 20 slices untoasted in a Rona bag. You want a carton of eggs and a loaf of bread? Yeah, just a pancake breakfast is fine. Don't offer to pay if you're gonna be cheap. Listen, man, <laughs> I know you don't want to repeat the mistakes of Entertainment 720, and that's great, but you're gonna need a little bit of the old Tom to make this business work. No, that Tom ruined everything. Yes, he did. And that Tom made you a horrible boyfriend and <laughs> a terrible employee and drove you to bankruptcy. Are we nearing the point? But your <laughs> swagger and your showmanship and your confidence is part of you. And in small doses, it can help. You can't have rent to swag without the swag. I barely have enough cash to get everything set up. I know. Take this. We all chipped Aww. it. Use it to spruce up the store. And in return, you can give us, like, one share of stock in the company. Like a mini public offering. Smart, and Smart. <laughs> this is a cause for celebration. Waiter! Eight strips of bacon. Uncooked in a sealed package. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think he'll have enough to make himself breakfast for a week if this continues. Smart man. He is very smart and how, frugal. How nice was that? The gang chipped in. The gang chipped in, and I think Ian delivered the message Tom needed to hear. Well, we'll absolutely. I, I have more to say on this, so I won't even yeah, go into it yeah, here. Yeah, me too. Well, Mark, with the misunderstanding mostly behind them, we finally get a chance to see what Rustin truly had in mind for Pawnee. That's right. Leslie and Ben are once again with Reston St. James uh, in City Hall in a conference. I think maybe it's the Parks and Rec conference room. And, and they once again have a park model. But this time it's not all insulting and stuff. This time it's the real thing. Yeah, it's very nice. And Reston calls it Pawnee Commons. Ergo the title. And it has a Wamapoke themed playground and food trucks from local restaurants, a little Sebastian fountain. Leslie proclaims it perfect. Probably not going to fight you on more than 60%. But, but you know, that, that's just because it's he would on, expect no less. on principle, of course. Oh, sure, yeah. Reston is happy they like it, telling them he's never met two people more passionate about their hometown. Ben explains he's actually from Minnesota. He's just in love with a goofy woman from Pawnee. Aw. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Well, in the spirit of wrapping up as well, we check back in with April and Andy and learn that not only have they agreed to retire Ms. Hitler, but also another cherished persona that we will all miss indeed. <sighs> we see April and Andy, and I think they're in the city council chambers. They are. Yeah. And uh, it seems appropriate. Yeah. Uh, very official and stuff. Yeah. Um, April is dressed like a like a cop. Of, of some uh, sort, I yeah. guess, uh, a supposedly Burt Macklin's superior uh, imaginary officer. This um, is the classic cop retirement scene trope. Mark. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you're actually you don't play by the rules, but damn it, you're a hell of an agent. I mean, that's almost exactly <laughs> what she said. It is. Burt Macklin is handing in his stuff. And after exchanging some final chit chat, April shakes Andy's hand, telling him it's been a pleasure serving with you, son. And Andy turns around. And he slowly walks out of council chambers. And as he does so, April activates an app on her phone that plays simulated ceremonial gunfire. Yeah. And as Burt Macklin walks away for the final time, he receives a 21 gun salute. Andy, I, I mean, Macklin, <laughs> looks like he may start to tear up on his way out. Yeah. Well, but he does kind of salvage it a bit, Mark. He says, look, if you ever need me, you know where to find me. Probably in bed next to you having sex with you. Yeah. There so is there is he's that. leaving the future open like any good any good cop movie. But I got to tell you, this was surprisingly poignant for such a ridiculous for scene. something so ridiculous. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Well, Mark, and finally in the kicker, we check back in on the rent of swaggers and we see what Tom was able to achieve with that little financial boost from his friends. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, in our kicker, we're we're once again back at the uh, the new rent a swag store and with 30 percent more swag. That's, that's right. Um, Tom is giving the gang, the his swaggers, uh, a little show and tell, especially of what he uh, what he's done since they last took off. And he primarily did two things. A, he he used the money that Ann gave him from the gang and and he added a little bit, a little bit of flair that I think that it, that it really needed and got rid of the green paint. And B, he also took everything he owns in his house and he brought it here so the place didn't feel so empty um and he even managed to make use of the staircase to nowhere that ron had chris make as a shoe display i think that's what he always had in mind right yeah perfect sure the gang seems pleased and impressed and then tom tells them one last thing it's time now for pizza party part two this time with two large pizzas with toppings, and toppings yeah but only on half 
fade to black. <laughs> He's not Zuckerberg. He's not Zuckerberg for Good crying Lord. out loud. Yeah. <laughs> Eat up chumps. All right. Well, nice job on the breakdown, Mark. Hey, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll finish this thing up. Capital idea, sport. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. And thank you, as always, to our newest sponsor, Karenston's Rubber Nipples. We've got the nipples, baby. Well, welcome to Pawnee Public Radio's newest segment, Three Q's and Two A's, the show where we ask our special guests three questions and allow them to answer two of their choice. I'm Derry Merbles, continuing to fill in for David Parker, who, as you may recall, went on a three-month assignment to study the migration patterns of our nation's squirrels. I'm happy to report that after six months on the road, a case of endemic typhus, and three months of antibiotic-fueled bed rest, David is expected back later this week. All right, let's get right to it. Our special guest today is Ron Swanson, here today to talk about a new podcast about life in Pawnee, aptly called Live from Pawnee. Uh, please hold. Our producer is talking into my ear goggles, as my friends from the Beastie Boys would say. What's that? Oh, okay, yes. Sorry, folks, I'm being told that Mr. Swanson was not able to make it today and that the show has instead sent their own producer, who is also the newest member of their team, Harvey Patterson. Welcome, Harvey. Well, hello there yourself, Mr. Merble Mumbles, and let me tell you, when in the studio, I always spin the dial while talking in a circle, because otherwise, where do you put the corners? Do you know? I bet you do. Geometry. Uh-huh. Well, Harvey, here is the first of my three cues or, or questions, and you can choose to answer this one or pass. But if you pass, you'll need to answer the two remaining questions. Got it? Well, sure enough, Merble Mumbles, that's the way the cookie crumbles. When you get a song like that in your head, three questions asking, two answers giving, and one Merbles and me. You don't get a Grammy for wanting an Oscar, even if you are Felix. Odd couple. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. I understand that Live from Pawnee is a podcast about the hit show Parks and Recreation, which of course is based on life here in the real town of Pawnee, Indiana. Tell us what you think the show's creators, Mark and Alan, hope that their listeners will take away from this podcast. Sure thing, I'll tell you, Mr. Mumbles. Whenever Mark and Alan have listeners, they're probably viewers, and even so, sometimes they want the magic of Pawnee, and sometimes they just want a cool card trick, or a rabbit out of the hat, or in the forest. Either way, you tune in for the forest and not the trees, no matter how much wood a woodchuck chucks. And with my back to the wall, if I'm perfectly honest, I rather doubt the woodchuck chucks would go gophers. Yes, go gophers, indeed. Well, Harvey, you're filling in for Ron Swanson today, who is, of course, both a fictional character and, as it turns out, a real-life person. If I'm not mistaken, I saw him dropping you off today. If he drove here, couldn't he just come upstairs and do the interview himself? No comment means big pass, mumble-fumble. Just because maybe you do or don't like the guy, that's hardly a reason to call a man fictional, much less a character. 
character. No matter the strength of the mustache or the direction of the weather vane, his face always points due north. Walk north, walk south, walk like a man, talk like a man, carry on my wayward son, Kansas. Well, I think you said that you were going to pass on this one. I can't be sure, but let's assume so. And that means that you will need to answer this next and final question. Harvey, I understand you are new to the podcast, but have a rich history which includes both radio and television production. Why choose a podcast at this point in your career? Well, I tell you, my career is just one long string of jobs held together by the duct tape of employment. One town is very like another when your head's down over a pizza, brother. In this game, we're all players, and when I play to win, I turn off the TV. Understand? I don't need that kind of pressure. And there you are with your Peter Pan advice. After all, Merbley, if radio is the theater of the mind, wouldn't you have to admit that podcasts are the VCR tapes of the soul? Thoughts for your thoughts. <laughs> I see what you did there. Well, I believe we're going to count that as an answer, regardless. Thanks to my special guest today, Harvey Patterson of Live from Pawnee. Join us next week with your regular host and three new questions for Pawnee's own local celebrity, Joan Calamezzo, who has been known to ask a few cues of her own. <laughs> Thank you and good day, Pawnee. Joan gotcha! All right, everybody, we're back. Well, hey, Mark, um, I, you know, as we normally do, I'll talk through the deleted scenes really quick. If you have the DVDs, check these out on your own as well. Um, like I said, last week we had like 10 minutes worth, crazy amount of, of deleted scenes. This week as well, we had eight full minutes, about 13 scenes. Um, I know last week we both felt really strongly that they were all really funny and they could have really just changed the dynamics of the episode. I felt like these were pretty funny too, but not quite to the extent that we saw last week. I guess I would agree with that. I, I did think that there were a few interesting ones. Like, for example, we we find out this uh, allegedly the source of where the nine dollars went. Oh, yes. That, that Tom was missing because yeah. Jerry was going to buy him a, a, a frame that he could so he could frame the first dollar that he makes. And apparently he used Tom's petty cash instead of his own money. He's like, I'm really sorry to pay it back. Right. Yeah. And then there's there's also, uh, you know, I think uh, April and Andy, the he's bored and calls April. That scene's a little extended. That mm -hmm. was pretty funny. Um, Leslie and Ben decide that they're going to go to Partridge, Minnesota. Well, like, Leslie decides. Well, Leslie decides and yeah. starts to drag. Ben, ben is off. told that he decides that. That's too. true. So that's that was a little weird. Glad yeah. they didn't go down that. Um, let's see. There was uh, oh, Tom Ban Jerry from from rent a swag for life because of this frame well, yeah, yeah how dare he how dare he do that yeah. that nice thing yeah it was pretty good overall I, I would check him out but like i said there's i don't think there's anything here that we had to have in the episode to make it necessarily stick i i don't think that this was nearly as uh, tempting to have you frankenstein yeah. a supersized episode it was decent i don't know if it would have changed my score where i feel like last week it might have that's fair to say. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Hey, um, first tropes, fun facts, goofs, Mark. Uh, what'd you get this week? All right, green light go. Yeah. Uh, first, I have three, so judges can be uh, you know on, on the ready yeah, for yeah. the for because I like the sounds when I do good because I'm like the oh, okay. The, well, the, we'll get the, the button ready. Yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 what's it called? The Pavlovian uh, response there. Um, <laughs> you watch you salivate when we hit the yes button. Blah, 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 blah. So the first time, this is the first time that we find someone from Eagleton that 
I said genuinely wants to mend fences with Pawnee. I'd say that's true. I the, the only one that came close, I think, was season three, episode 12, Eagleton with Lindsay Carlisle Shea, Leslie's old friend. And that was even just maybe at the very end. It seems like maybe she was kind of coming around. But we I think this was definitive. Well, yeah. And you had to interpret that. This was fully voiced. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Intentional. Um, again, this is my opinion. Judges can weigh in. First time that Tom f- fully verbalizes the magnitude of the mistakes that he made in the past. I think that's true. Because he's kind of danced around like, yeah, you know, E720 maybe wasn't a good idea. He just flat out says, I ruined it. Yeah. Right. Almost a step too far, in fact, which we can talk about in a minute. We will. Yeah. And the the first and only time that we are introduced to April's alter ego, Judy Hitler. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah. We had that other first we identified there in the the show as well. Oh, yeah. The first time that an episode uh, started on a weekend. On a weekend, yeah. I felt like that was true as well. I can't prove that, but that seems right. In fact, I'd say I think the whole episodes happen the whole the episode happens over the weekend. Like there's no weekday. I think you're Even right. Even the kicker. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the kicker takes us into the weekend, but in this case, I think this whole thing happened over Saturday. Well, you Sunday. know what? I just I'm thinking about this. I'm gonna disagree. Because you got day one, then you got day two when they were brought the insulting park. I think day three is the kicker. Because Tom just moved all of his stuff in there, which I'm going to presume it took him overnight. Oh, well, that was clearly one of them there. Monday holidays then. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. It was Labor Day. Yeah. See, problem solved. Done. There was no work. Nailed it. Yeah. (laughs) How about tropes, Mark? What did you get this week? Tropes? Uh, Oh. Mark, beyond that, I only had one other first. Yeah. I, I said that it's the first time we actually see Eagleton. Other than that brief moment where we're in the county recorder's office. I don't know if we've ever been in Eagleton before this, except when they stole Leslie's birth certificate. And that was just a in an office. Um, we were briefly in Eagleton in the uh, the one with Lindsay Carlisle Shea, where they were like at the fancy oh, schmancy yeah, party. Yeah. But, but you're right. We haven't seen like Eagleton out and about. Yeah. The, the sights and sounds and smells of, of Eagleton. Yeah. You Eagleton. Know, it smells yeah. like cinnamon. It's wonderful. My God. Mm. Hot springs. Suck it. <laughs> How about tropes, Mark? What'd you get this week? I had a pretty good handful again um, this week. So I have uh, City Hall murals. Yeah, I got that one. Um, one of my favorites, even though I don't get to use it often, Pawnee Raccoon Infestation. <laughs> um, I, I said, because I love Derry Merville so much, yeah. and this is his return, Pawnee Public Radio. Yeah. Um, Punching Bag Jerry, because yeah. there are a bunch of that. Um, Alter Egos. Yeah. Uh, Macklin and Hitler. Yeah. Um, a bunch of mugging, especially by Ben. Yeah. But we also had Ron mug at one point and Andy mugged at one point, yeah. but a lot from Ben, which I really liked. I find that funny. Um, Pawnee Eagleton feud. Yep, got that one. Um, the triumphant return of DJ Roomba. Oh, yeah. I missed that <laughs> which one. I love that. Hi ho, hi ho. Um, and I put this is kind of a not really one. I said JJ's diner is the best just because they always seem to go to JJ's when they want to like. Yeah. Figure stuff out. To heal. To to heal. Breakfast food has many purposes, Alan. It really does, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What I miss? Um, I I think you got all the ones I had. I think I I made a distinction between uh, the trope I like to call we hate Eagleton, Mm -hmm. which you referred to as well. And then Eagletonians are snobs, like which is a thing on its own. Right. Like Mm. and in the case of, you know, those two yahoos that came with the diorama of the trailer park. Yeah. They just they sold it, you know. 
Well, yeah, you bring up a good point, though. I think that we've established that Pawnee hates Eagleton. <laughs> yeah. But but Eagleton hates Pawnee. Yeah. And that that fact isn't always reflected. It's not. Yeah. But they they embodied that hard this week. You'll <laughs> for sure. How about goofs or uh, fun facts, Mark? I had I had one goof that I got from the wide, wide world of web. And um, this was a claim someone made. And I listened to this and I had a hard time making it out. So you Is guys. Is this the Freddy Spaghetti one? No. Oh, OK. No, no, no. Um, Leslie is struggling to apologize to Reston. And at one point, Judy Hitler uh, crawls from under the desk and runs outside to the courtyard. Yeah. And Andy kind of startles her, ah! making her scream because yeah. he almost got her, that Macklin guy. And and they claim that if you listen closely as Andy chases her away, you'll either hear a cast or a crew member or something kind of oh, la- laughing off camera. Ah. I had a hard time making this out, but I totally buy that it happened because right. I think that was a little bit ad lib that Andy yeah. completely startled her. And they're so ridiculous together that it's not hard to imagine either. Right. Right. How about you? Do you have any goofs? Um, th- I also found one on them, their internets that says, you know, that um, Leslie says that they don't have any plans for the park in the beginning. Right. And the, the, the open air there, the cold open. Uh, and if they don't get any, they w- there won't get a park. But back in season two, as Mark uh, Brandana quits is leaving there, you know, and Freddie Spaghetti, he gives her plans to the park as a parting gift. Alan, what you're looking at now is my serious face. Yeah. I have nothing to add to this because I'm going to talk about this later. Oh, I'm, I'm but curious. You see my serious face. So I you see know your I'm serious, serious face. Right, yeah, so. that's your Brandanowitz face is what that is. <laughs> 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 Which is why it's not here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, great actor. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm off track. So let's let's move on. Fun facts, Mark. How about you? All right. Uh, how about me? Fun facts. Um, <laughs> Mark's a fun fact. Let's uh, I have uh, I have two. Um one, I, I did not realize I got this from the wide, wide world of web. Uh, the, the, the scene where Leslie and Ben are over in Eagleton uh, visiting the initial park where Reston is giving them a tour. Yeah. Apparently, the German national anthem is playing in the background, and I did not realize that. No, I didn't either. Um, the only other fun fact I had in, it involves the fake insulting park model that the assistants brought over. Yeah. Um, that if you look at it, there are a couple things. Uh, a, the the uh, rather large, uh, scantily clad, pear-shaped woman yeah. doll. Apparently, that's the John Travolta doll, uh, his character from Hairspray. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as one of the, like, the, the, the fat, uh, overweight, pawnee women, yeah. I guess. Um. And the other thing is the aforementioned uh, Travolta doll uh, can be seen drinking from, nice callback, a <laughs> uh, Lil Swallow, which we know is from Soda Tax, oh, is yeah. Paunch Burger's comically small drink size. Very nice. How about you? I- I'm surprised that the, the, that doll had that much restraint and just go right for the liquefied child size. Oh, my gosh. Or for the cheeseburger trough. Uh, the cheeseburger trough. I'm not going to go into that again. Uh, I guess yeah. it's too yeah, exciting. Mm. Um, I had basically two as well that I think are worth mentioning. I, I kind of came up with one for sure myself and then knew about the other one, but got it reinforced by them, their webs. So I mentioned uh, that Alexandra Rushfield is the writer of this episode. Mm-hmm. She also has another season five episode and will be acting in the next episode, Ron and Diane. Nice. But that was interesting. That is interesting. Don't always see that. Our directors don't always cross into the front of the camera. Or the writers. Our writers don't always cross into the front of the camera. Yeah. 
Um, the, the other one was basically that, you know, in the Derry Murbles bit, who I love, Dan Castellaneta, of course, a.k.a. Homer Simpson, right? Oh, yeah. He was so great. Um, as he's talking about that infinite loop <laughs> of David Bean Cooley filling in for Ken Tucker, who's filling in for David Bean Cooley. Love that this joke. This is so funny. Love that joke. But those are real people. And that's, I yeah. think if you've ever listened those to Those are fresh air critics. They, they are. And and it's that makes it even funnier. Yeah. That plus every, you know, going back to every public radio, um, you know, send up ever, Sweaty balls is in the top. I think this one should be in the top five as well. Oh, I agree. I Just agree. Dead on funny. Very well done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the only other thing I was think might be worth mentioning is that, you know, Tom mentions that he's trying this new technique he got from Lee Iacucca's autobiography, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that book was actually also mentioned in The Office by Michael Scott. And oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. book is actually co-written by B.J. Novak's father, William Novak. So it's a little bit of an really? insider family joke. Wow. Kind of fun. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Mark, let's get into our scores. All right. Score incoming. Um, well, Alan, my episode MVP is Chris Pratt is Andy Dwyer. Really? All right. So my, Tell me why. My, my reasoning. Uh there's something about this incarnation of Andy that makes me want to endlessly root for the guy. This episode, I thought we we saw his sweet, stupid silliness shining bright. Mm -hmm. And yet it also showcased some more introspective, serious moments for him, even if they were prompted by the more grounded April. Sure. Um, which is kind of cool for April. Like not only can she say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to we're going to dive deep into the Macklin pool and be silly. <laughs> but she also is good about reining him in and saying, yeah. we, let's let's look at this. She can toggle between the two states pretty quickly. Right. And I think he needs her. For, oh, for, yeah, because he can't. Right. <laughs> right. Um, he can't tell when people are lying and he can't toggle between the states. Um, <laughs> or when children are crying because he so, made them cry. I don't know. I just thought this episode gave Chris Pratt a great opportunity to show all sides of Andy. And I really liked it, not only for the humor, but for the journey his character had, hmm. as, as corny as that might sound. Nice. But the heart. I, I also, I got to say, after two whole seasons after these two got married, April and Andy together still continue to crack me up, which yeah. in and of itself, I think, is saying something. Yeah. Sometimes in a comedy, marrying two funny people is the kiss of death for their comedy. Yes. Not so. Not here. Yeah. I, I'm really impressed so far. Um, so a few additional notes. Um, nice guest stars, uh, a smaller list maybe than usual, but yeah. good quality ones. We yeah, got Dan Castellaneta as Derry Merbles, mm -hmm. uh, Homer Simpson. Don't. And then Brad Hall. Oh, yeah. The Brad great Hall's Brad great. Hall is yeah. rest in St. James, who's married to uh, Julie, Julie Louise Dreyfus. Dreyfus. Yeah, yeah we're watching right. Veep right now. So uh, it's just been ringing in my head, those two. Yeah, awesome. And they've been together uh, 26, 27 years. It's a long amazing. time. Yeah. Yeah, great, yeah, yeah. great Hollywood uh, couple. I think they met on Saturday Night Live. I think they in did. The, they were both in the 80s. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the I, Veep we just watched, in fact, is where they had the Saturday Night Live sketch of her. And then she, to placate them, she comes on as Veep as herself in the sketch and opens the Saturday Night Live show, nice. which is just so funny to yeah. see that kind of uh, you know, show within a show. It is very meta. Yeah. And not the Mark Zuckerberg. Five seasons in it and the movie. There you go. Um, six. Six. Whatever it takes. Um, I, I thought this episode had a great central theme of growing beyond who you used to be. You got Leslie admitting some Eagletonians can mm. be decent despite various indications otherwise. 
You got Tom finally admitting his flaws, like really, really admitting his flaws that brought Entertainment 720 to bankruptcy. Determined not to repeat that here, even though maybe he went a little bit overboard, which we'll get to. Andy growing up beyond Special Agent Burt Macklin and being able to count on his own skills. Um, In general, I thought this was a really, really good episode. I, I didn't think there was a stinker story in the bunch. I thought that the... I thought that the A story and the C story were both very funny and had good character development. The B story, I thought, was a little different in the sense that I thought it had good character development. But I thought it was, in general, more interesting than than funny. That's not a horrible thing. But but in my mind, the best, like cream of the crop, teep to heap, uh, have both the funny and the character development, yeah. which is definitely what the A and C stories had. So I didn't think it was 100% perfect, but it was close. I, I was very impressed. Okay. Um, also, I got to say, with regards to the A story, up until the very end, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I kept waiting for the other Eagle Tony and shoot to drop. I really thought Reston was going to screw them over. I was waiting. I was it's going to happen. He's going to keep calling. He's going to keep calling. <laughs> and actually, I was surprisingly pleased when he didn't. Um, bravo. I know we already said this, but bravo for the Simpsons. Dan Castellaneta returning as local public radio host. Derry Murbles. I freaking love that guy. I think last time he appeared was season four, episode three, born and raised. Sounds right. Um, and my favorite joke, I, I, we already mentioned this but during the whole cold open was when Derry Murbles said coming up after the break movie reviews with Ken Tucker, who is filling in for David being Cooley, who's in New York, filling in for Ken Tucker. <laughs> I had to pause it because I, I actually started laughing so hard. I almost missed that bit of ridiculousness. It's an infinite loop. It really is. Yeah. And those aren't good. I also love Derry's reaction to Leslie uh, saying she put up the bat signal. Oh, yeah. the, the, I, I half expected to hear Ben oh, furiously yeah. call into the station to complain about his poor description of the, the bat man. Oh, my God. That, that would have been funny. Huh? I also thought that this was a decent use of their deep comedy bench. It seemed like everyone had at least two scenes to shine, including the sometimes lesser used Donna and Jerry. Yeah, so pretty good. Yeah, that's true. Um, small, small nitpicks. Uh, I already mentioned that the B story for me was not so much funny as interesting. It's not a horrible thing. Not the end of the world. Just an observation. I thought it was a, a well-written plot line. It just wasn't like the whole package, in my opinion, like the other storylines were. The only other thing I'd come up with for nitpicks was it really bothers me that Leslie was in a panic scrambling for park designs for fear that everything would literally and mm. Perkins fall apart. When the season two finale had Mark give Leslie plans for an actual park that would on go lock on Lock 48. Yeah. I, I, I know we've kind of in the past, Alan, we've kind of joked about how you know, like, though, they're they're kind of not they're completely forgetting about Mark. Yeah. They're not saying anything. they wrote him out. Basically. But this really like this is perhaps the biggest Brendana slap in the face <laughs> to date. I, I mean, and not having Coin that term, Mark. <laughs> copyright. Um Get our lawyers on that, Constantine. And not having a mark box in the fundraiser. All right. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll let that slide. Yeah. But this park designs, yeah. that was actually a plot relevant point. So just 
is, is I'm, I'm, that that irks me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I can see why that's a peeve. Now, to be fair, as much as I like rrr, rrr, on that last point, neither of these two nitpicks ruin the episode for me. The only reason I'm shining a light on them is to help explain to myself why this isn't a perfect episode and kind of like a teardown, if you will. It's not a perfect episode. It is very, very good, though. So, all right. Enough of that silliness. Onto the crazy Mark rubric. Um, I am going to give this base score a five. It's the highest I've ever given the the, the story part of it. I, I thought that all three storylines, again, were well-written, engaging, potential long-lasting plot relevance. Even the B story, somewhat lesser ha-ha moments, I think were redeemed by being interesting and meaningful and having good okay. character development. So I'm going to give it a five. I'm going to give half a point for a great job by uh, my episode MVP, Chris Pratt, as Andy Dwyer. Um, and the rest of my points come from my infamous cheater combos. So we got the what I call the share the love combo, which is good use of deep comedic bench, plus the wonderful, if small, list of guest stars. I'm going to give half a point for what I call the Bensley combo. A great job, both alone and together, yeah. for Amy Poehler as Leslie and Adam Scott as Ben in the A story. I thought that they they also have good chemistry, just like April and Andy. Do. They do. Yeah. I'm going to give half a point for what I call the Eagleton combo. You got all the great shots of snooty Eagleton, which we talked about with the park and the restaurant, yeah, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Plus all the hilarious comparisons between Eagleton and Pawnee, like the mural and the entering leaving signs that on the Pawnee great. Eagleton That's my border. Favorite bit, yeah. um, I'm going to give half a point for the will he screw them combo. Reston slowly getting us to trust him, plus Leslie's understandable hesitation, plus the fake insulting park model, plus Leslie's revenge, plus Reston coming through after all. It surprised me, and and unpleasantly so. I liked it. I'm going to give half a point for what I call the rent-a-swag combo. You got Tom's character development and humility, plus Jerry getting attacked by the raccoon, (laughs) which I really like, plus the triumphant return of DJ Roomba. Love that little guy. Did you say BJ Roomba? I'm pretty sure I didn't. And, uh, and uh, let's just move on. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's, uh, um, sorry about that. The, uh, the next one that has nothing to do with that is called the support combo, uh, ah. which is just saying it's, I thought it was a nice job by Anne in the B story and April mm-hmm. in the C story kind of stepping in with the assist to help save yeah, the day. I, think those I, are true. I, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to give half a point for what I call the alter ego combo. Andy's Burt Macklin plus April's new villainous Judy Hitler plus Macklin retiring, which I thought was surprisingly poignant for something so freaking ridiculous. And I'm going to give one last half point combo for what I call I've called in the past the bookend combo. Okay, this is more for the cold open than the kicker. I thought the cold open was stronger, but I thought the the. Two of them together were strong enough to merit a half point. You got the hilarious cold open with Derry Merbles yeah. and, and Pawnee Public Radio. Plus, what I thought was a nice plot relevant resolution to the B story in the kicker, which they don't always do. They don't always put a bow on it. Yeah. 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 Well, in the kicker, sometimes the kicker is just a throwaway. You a know throw what I mean? Away. Yeah. That's um, a good point. So you add up all those crazy mark points, Alan, and you get 9.5 little Sebastians. Wow. I was I was toggling between a nine and a nine five when I was reviewing this, and I ended up giving them the benefit of the doubt and going with a nine five. I think mainly for how I felt coming away from this episode. It kind of gave me the feels. Um okay. I, I thought I that, that I thought that this was one of their best. So anyway, 
that's my review. Over to you, Alan. Rock that scuba. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's, a, that's a throwback we don't need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Mark. So, you know, we're always talking about how will this be the week where we just aren't in sync? Yeah. I think it is. No. Yeah. I almost gave this episode an eight. Those listening at home, you may want to tune out now. This is about to get <laughs> ugly. Look, here we're, we're allowed to disagree, right? I mean, technically, I, I mean, it's in look, the contract. I haven't read my contract in a while. I don't know if that's true. It's in true. there. Trust me. Let's section three, I'll, subparagraph four. I'll, Constantine, go. Yeah. Run, get, get my contract. <laughs> don't give me that look. Just do it. All right, Alan, I'll humor you. Let's say we're willing to disagree. Yeah. What does that mean to you? All right. So here, here are my thoughts, yeah. Mark. Well, first of all, let me start with my MVP. I, I did give my MVP to Amy Poehler because of her convincing hatred of Eagleton. That, that shtick worked for me. All right. I like that. All right. I had major problems with a few things, though. Like, and, and for different reasons than some of the ones you mentioned, we both, I think, had a little bit of a problem with Leslie's franticness and, you know, not knowing what to do with this park. Yours, because they had a clear path to it that had been pre-established that they're choosing to ignore. So that also pissed me off. But two, I just don't think that's Leslie. Like, I think she'd be all over this. The second they they figured out that they got, jam, you know, they re-jam jam, right? Mm -hmm. And that they're going to be able to move forward and actually build a park on 48. I think she's all over. I think she's got plans. I think she's got binders. I think she's got the whole thing figured out. That's Leslie. And they chose not to do that. And I think that I've, at least it bothered me. Now, what they did with it was pretty amusing. And the, you know, bringing in Brad Hall as Reston St. James. I really liked him. I thought he did a terrific job. Yeah. Um, haven't seen him on screen a long time, probably or maybe enough, but um, enjoyed him in this episode and, and liked the character, liked their depiction of Eagleton and the, the you know, the, the, the way they, it's the iconoclast of Pawnee and um, the in and out leaving, leaving Pawnee, leaving Eagleton bit. Yeah. One of my favorites yeah, of all brilliant. time because literally it is two different shots and two different like ones like downtown L.A., you know, south oh, side, yeah. like get in the car and get your gun. Yeah. And the other one is this beautiful, lush park, you know, probably in Santa Barbara. Like a matter so, of feet. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, yeah. Just it's a like reverse camera. Yeah. 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 Right. She just stood in the same place. So that's funny. Like the 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 visualization of that's very funny to me. Right. Um, I have trouble with this whole man crush thing that Ben had on Reston St. James a little bit. Like I get it. I, I think I see what they were trying to do. It didn't. Do you hate waffles me. too? Like, <laughs> yeah. where, where does this end? <laughs> Look, I'm getting to the bad, the rest of the bad stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> I said this was a good episode. It wasn't great though. Okay. Well, okay, I'll, I'll tell yeah, you why. Hold right. on. Whatever. I did say in my notes. I and uh, in, in fairness, I did have a hard time saying why I felt that way. But I think I've come to it now uh, since taking my notes. Um, I think the story is is well-structured. I think that they did a good job of the bench. I think that it was nice to see that. I think all the things they did right, they just did it 75% versus 100%. Hmm. Like my enjoyment of them versus yours, let's say. Okay. So almost every point you made about things that you enjoyed, I don't disagree with. I agree with you. It's just not enough to love the episode. It wasn't it turned up to 11 for you. It for really that. wasn't. But I sat back down. I watched it again yesterday and I did the thing that we talk about sometimes, you know, the structure versus how does it make me feel? And I also rounded up because of that. I think overall, even though the episode doesn't like 
isn't in my top five or top 10 even. I think I rounded it up to the 8.5 because I think it deserved it for the, the sum of its parts, even though it's got a bunch of weaknesses in my mind. Um, yeah, for, for me, I think that covers it. I just, I didn't love the episode. I liked it though. And for me, that's an 8.5 and that's still a good day on Parks and Rec is better than a bad day on any other show. So I was trying to keep that in context here. The but, two, two observations. I, yeah. I like what you said, except that you're wrong. Sure. But, but one is that that you think that it earned its marks more on the um, how mechanically solved it was no, r- no, rather than no. how much you liked it. No, no, I, I think the opposite. I think if I said that, I didn't mean it that way. What I meant to say was like the funny parts that were funny versus the funny parts that weren't all that funny. I, I think they were enough for me to round up from the eight to the 8.5. But I've strongly toyed with the eight on this based on everything else I said. And if I had done that, I think this might have been our biggest gap ever, an eight to a 9.5. You know what? I And that was the other thing I was going to say is I, I think that we're we're technically still within our one point difference before we have to hang things up because screw yeah. that. Yeah. But because I was toggling between a nine and a nine. Five. Yeah. And and so if I had rounded up and you'd round it down, then we could have World War Three. Um, but look, I, I here, I'll just say one last thing on my side. And that's that if you can put this on the list of other nine fives. Like the nine fives we agreed on where, you know, right. you were actually right. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Some of those episodes are so good. We almost gave them tens, Mark. Yeah. Do you think this is one of those episodes? I just don't. I, I here's here's what I think. I think that that analyzing how I tend to react to certain episodes, I think that I am a sucker for better or for mm. worse for the heart moments. And I think I'm a sucker for the character development moments. Yeah, and and I, I, think, I think in my mind. I tend to gravitate towards weighing those maybe more heavily than I should, even when the rest of it maybe has some flaws. I might say like like, for example, Mm. we've never had I've been waiting for five seasons for Tom to grow a human head yeah, for real. Yeah. And yeah, he went too far in the other direction with the pendulum. But you have that's Tom, too. But you have to realize that you're in error over here to swing the pendulum in the first place. So the fact that he's actually there and ready to do it. And I love that what Ann said, a little bit of your superpower, Tom, is your swagger. Use it in small doses only as directed. Otherwise you're going to get a rash, but don't, you know, (laughs) yes, it can ruin things, but you need that a little bit. I I agree with everything you just said. And and I also reflected. So (laughs) 9.5. And I also no. I also reflected on the fact that, you know, Rashida Jones as Anne often gets to basically state the theme of yeah. the show, right? Like, you know, I'm, I agree. I'm writing this book right now and I'm playing with a the theme thing. And so, you know, and it's it's sometimes it's hard to know what the theme is. But more often than not, Anne seems to be the one to state it or give that stately advice that the person needed to hear, whether it's Leslie or in this case, Tom. She's and, the Sherpa. Or, or Chris. She's the Sherpa. Yeah. So she's the heart of the soul. I've decided uh, the heart of the show. I've decided that now. Nice. So um, one have a quarter point for Anne. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lose your parking space. 8.75. That's right. Um, 
I, no, that just make it eight point <laughs> five for sure. That's all it would really do for me, honestly. Cement it. It would cement eight point five. Yeah, yeah. Where I, I, I still am on the waffle. I'm on the fence between eight and eight and a half here. And again, I, I think it was a good episode, and I think all your points are valid. I think you just gave them a little more credit than I did. I was bothered maybe too much by the things that kept me from getting there. You know what? I, I'll concede this. The good thing is, is you and I here, so no one else can hear me <laughs> backtrack a little bit. That's right. Yeah. I thought you made actually a good point now that I really think about it, about how how does Leslie Nope, the Leslie Nope that yeah. we know, how does she respond in general to something that is extremely important to her? The answer is overkill. Like Absolutely. She, she goes at it and if she has to stay up for three nights straight yeah. to, to crochet a it. pillow or something, yes. or she'll do that. So- it, now, is she an architect? No. No, but I, I think that she would take her best stab at it and come out with 20 designs and they may not be the best, but she'll do it. That's right. And I'm nearly certain at one point or another, whether it was this lot or another lot, she had a list of ideas for whatever park we were talking about at that point. So, again, they've already kind of created that you know, that they've stated that. So for them to now have her in this mode without anything to distract her, like I think that I would have been okay had some life event caused her to not have time to do the Leslie thing. And therefore now she's like being a a councilwoman. Well, fair, but like we didn't see it. I know. Like they didn't even mention it. Like all they had to do was say it. Then it would have been a thing. But in this case, it's like Leslie just slept in and took the day off. I think I I, I think. (laughs) Sorry, I think you get around. I like this this side of Alan. You're you got the the fire in the belly. Um, I, it's I, in that other place, but yeah. <laughs> well, you just watch when you sit down there. That's right. Um, I though actually that combined with the Brandana slap of yeah. of, of that that's just like almost too ouchy. Yeah. You gonna revise your score now? Not because you said it, but because I just I feel like it's the right thing to do, and so no, no, you can't, you can't change your score. <laughs> You're not allowed to. Look, we we occasionally go back and kind of say, hey, Mark, in, in this season back in the day, we gave this score that was pretty low or bad, and now we think about it later. It's too soon. Like we'll do this eventually, and this can be one of the shows we talk about then. But you you know your score, you can't take it back now. All right. Sorry, that's the rules. Probably would go with a nine, but uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. All right, nine point five. I, I I fanboyed a little bit there. That's maybe fair. Good points. You know what? I think we both had valid points on both sides, and it's okay to, for us to feel different. We don't always feel this different, but it's it's you know not a bad thing. I do have to say, I love it when April and Andy role play. It just cracks me it the is. hell up. Yeah, it could it could be really cringy, and yet they don't go there. And it's still funny and they still enjoy doing it with each other. So right, right. I, I think I, that is one of the things they do well. Yeah. Absolutely true. Nice. Well, nice job, Mark, on the breakdown. Even though we didn't fully agree, I think we both uh, we both brought the, you know, brought it. We're able to explain our reasons why. Yeah. You've got the Mark rubric. I've got a bunch of random thoughts. <laughs> it all works. Together, they taste great. <laughs> 9.0. <laughs> Well, nice job, Mark. You know, normally I would say we'll be back next week with the next episode, which, by the way, is season five, episode nine, Ron and Diane. Ron and Diane. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting back to that storyline. Yep. Uh, But in honesty, uh, we should probably mention the elephant in the room. I mean, you see it right there, right? Yeah. He's taking up the cheeseburger trough. (laughs) Big piggy. Get him out of there. Save some for us, buddy. I know. 
so the episode, the elephant in the room in this case is that we've kind of been in a bi-weekly release yeah, schedule every other lately. Week. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to keep that through the end of the year. Um, would love to be doing a show every week, but we've both got projects going on. We're both busy at the, the, their day job thing, which, you know, bleh. but, you know. I've been asked to speak at several parks and recreation uh, <laughs> uh, gatherings. Terrific. Um, they just, you can come if you want to. Yeah. They just ask for me. <laughs> That's fair. But, I don't blame but, them. But you're good. <laughs> yeah. No. They told me if you weren't able to come, they might still consider me. Oh. But they might also get somebody else. Oh, everybody, Alan, doesn't he try his hardest? Oh, <laughs> but, in, but in all seriousness, I, I think for us right now, a biweekly schedule is is working for us. Yeah. I really hope in the new year we get back on our weekly schedule. I do too. But you know what? I, I looked at some of the, you know, that other podcast and they've been off since July. So I don't feel bad about what we're doing, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah. Those kids that are going to make it? I They uh, aren't making it. They are. Maybe. They haven't made it since July. They haven't made it since July. Well. We'll see. All right. Don't yeah. Gauntlet thrown down. Yup. Yeah. Schmack. So anyway, we're in it for the long haul. We're going to make it work. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we look forward to talking to you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Music